Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode six, using your personal growth alignment for growth. So I have a confession. I kind of thought that whole personal growth moral alignments chart was going to be a one-off episode and just a really good analogy to use to illustrate the point. But then when I went and edited it and listened back, I was like, oh man, no, this is actually, this is really good. It's really clear. And there were things that I didn't say when I was spinning out the various alignments that I wanted to. And I realized, oh, well, maybe this can just be an ongoing thing. Maybe not every single episode. I don't want this podcast to become gamifying your life, but you know, one of the through lines anyway. So (laughs) welcome back to this analogy of thinking about taking control of your personal growth and the direction that you're developing as if you were choosing where to put your experience points as you're building this game character. Today, I want to talk about using your current alignment for growth in order to facilitate growth, like how you, how you might go about doing that and um, what the options that you have are going to be based on where you're starting. But first, I want to talk about why change can be hard, like why it can be something that we resist so that we can all approach this exercise with compassion for ourselves and with appropriate expectations for ourselves. Remember that disappointed expectations are a huge source of pain for us as we are having feelings about our experiences and our choices in life. And sometimes if we have unrealistic expectations of ourselves, rather than questioning those expectations or considering them as unrealistic, if we fail to measure up, we just shame ourselves and say, I should have been able to do that. I should have done better. Why didn't I do better? But maybe you couldn't have done better. Maybe the expectation was the problem in the first place. So that's why I want to talk about change being hard. But also, I don't want anyone using this idea of realistic as a self-limiting belief. When I talk about unrealistic expectations, I'm not talking about ultimate outcomes, more just the expectation we have about how we get to that outcome. So having realistic expectations of yourself in the change process is how you have a chance to actually get to whatever that wild expectation endpoint is, or maybe even beyond it. Isn't that exciting? If you know you want to make a change and you believe that change is possible, it can still be hard to change because you might try to do too much at once and end up failing or you succeed for a little while, but you can't sustain it. And so then you kind of get despairing and you stop doing it because you tried and it didn't work. 
Or you might be in a position where part of you fears the change that you're trying to make. And so you can self-sabotage or subconsciously hold yourself back. So if you're not completely in alignment with the change, even on kind of a subconscious level, it doesn't always take. And finally, you might find change hard because you have all this energy and all this motivation and therefore you want immediate results. And if you're not getting them, you may not stick with the process. Unfortunately, sustainable change is not a fast process and it is kind of a slow, long-term, super unsexy process. So if you have that energy of like excitement, but you're wanting immediate results to give you positive feedback and you don't understand the change process, then it can be demotivating. So let's talk about this unsexy change process that's actually effective. One of the best analogies I can use is this idea of taking 20 small steps rather than one big one. I don't know if any of you have seen the meme of two staircases and the first staircase is somebody basically trying to, you know, lift their leg above their head and somehow have enough leverage to pull themselves up to this step. And the other is someone who's taking normal sized steps and it's 10 to get to that same place, right? Or 20 or however it's drawn. I've seen it done in different ways. But the point is that smaller steps that are actually attainable are a lot easier to make in the first place. And it might not be as obvious and as glamorous to do, but it's what you're actually capable of. So you can do it. Therefore, you don't have a reason not to change. Whereas if you're looking at this huge, massive up level, you're, you might be like, I can't even, I can't do that. It's too far that it's too much of a reach. So when you're engaging in a change process and you're kind of committing to making small steps and, and small scale changes that are sustainable that you stick with, it's not going to look glamorous. It's not going to be a big shift every time. And it's not going to feel very dramatic you might even feel like you're not doing very much. And that's because the exertion for doing something for doing any one step is going to be smaller. And you might not see results for a while, I'm talking weeks to even months. And your day to day experience of yourself and what you're doing might not feel all that different. But the reasons it's not a flashy process are also why it works. Going back to our steps analogy, say you get to that first step and something happens and you slip and you fall back. If you're taking small steps, it's not going to be a big fall. You're not going to go back very far. And, you know, so whether you're on step one or step 19, all you're going back to is the previous little step. You're not going to go all the way back to the beginning. Whereas if you're trying to make a really big step up and you go back to the beginning, that can be so disheartening because everything is lost, as opposed to realizing, well, okay, I might have to take this one step again, but hey, I'm, I've still made all this progress. You know, I've still got one through 18 behind me. That's fantastic. If you've ever done workouts in a gym, like trying or a home gym or whatever, trying to do weightlifting or do reps of certain types of exercises to make yourself stronger, the, the idea would be doing more reps at a lower weight rather than trying to max out your weight load, but you can only do a couple at a time. 
And, and the reason to take it in this kind of step-by-step, slower-scale approach is that you want to maintain functionality while you're changing. Most people's lives don't allow them to simply take time off from everything else they're already doing in order to change. So you have to make the changes, things that will fit into your actual life, into the flow of your, your rhythms and the activities you're already doing, make it fit into the time that you have. I don't know how many people have actually read my podcast ethos page, but, you know, one of the reasons for having shorter episodes is because I think most people can find 20 to 30 minutes a week to listen. Maybe not everybody has the time to go read, you know, the 30 personal development books a year that I read. Okay, cool. I'll distill it for you. Here's this nice little manageable bite, you know, not bite size necessarily, but this manageable time chunk that you can listen to and get something out of without having to make this whole huge sweeping change to your lifestyle. Also, if we are changing too much at once, sometimes our nervous system can get activated. We have a fear response to the unknown and the uncertainty of being in this unknown place or this place we've never been before. That can make us shut down. When we are fearful, we are contracting. We are wanting to draw back towards safety and security. And whether we like it or not, there is an awful lot of security in what we know and what we have done before. This is why sometimes we can hold on even to unhealthy uh, coping mechanisms or patterns of behavior because we know them and therefore they're familiar and therefore they're comforting. Even if we know they're not very good for us, it still feels safer to stick with them than to try something new. There's also this thing called the skill challenge gap. And if we are presented with a challenge that is too far above our current skill set, we shut down and we say, no, I can't do that. That's too far above where I am. I don't have the capacity to do that. I'm not capable of doing that. So I'm not even going to bother to try. An example might be, asking someone who hasn't really run for exercise since high school gym to run a marathon. That's not realistic based on their current skill level or capacity or fitness level with running and with their body. So it would be an unattainable challenge for them, or at least it would sound like it. And without an incredibly compelling reason to try, they're not going to. The mathematical statistic that I have seen as to what makes an acceptable skill challenge gap is 1% to 4%. That's actually a really small number if you think about it. Maybe every now and then you can push a little bit beyond that for, you know, one big event or a specific project that you're really pushing yourself That's okay, but you can't make a lifestyle out of pushing too far beyond that reasonable growth range. And if you do, you're going to end up burning out, collapsing, hitting too many times where the challenge is beyond your skills, no matter how much you put into it, and you're going to get disheartened. If you think about approaching your growth with this 1% to 4%, a 1% difference isn't going to feel like very much at all. A 4% difference is probably going to feel, you're going to feel it, but it's going to feel like an attainable stretch. And that's what you want. You want something that causes a stretch, but doesn't feel like it's going to tear you apart. You don't want to injure yourself. 
And <laughs> yes, emotional, psychological injuries can happen. Again, having heightened expectations of ourselves that we're simply, that are, that are not calibrated to our actual current skill level can definitely cause injury, whether that is trying too hard and we, we overextend but make it, but then we're have, have a long recovery time because we overextended or it causes a pain because we couldn't and now we feel like a failure. Also, remember that change builds up over time. If you did a 1% change to your life every day for a year, and, and if you took Sundays and holidays off, you're, you know, so those 65 days, you end up with a 300% change over the course of that year. It adds up. It compounds on itself. It's not like the only thing you're doing is this 1% today. You're going to keep changing. So if you check in on a longer timeline, like if you make a point, okay, well, I'm not going to check in in six hours to see if I've changed. I'm going to wait six weeks or six months. That's when you're really going to see a difference. I mean, think back to when you were in elementary school and you're learning how to read. Maybe any given day you didn't see the difference, but I bet you could tell a big difference between when you started school in September and when you got out for Christmas break, and then, you know, when you got out for summer break in May. Okay, so now that I've gone over this kind of change process and how and why we have to go slowly, let's talk about how we can work with our particular personal growth alignment to deliberately guide ourselves toward changes. I want to start by emphasizing that no one mode is going to be innately better than another, whether we're talking about the controlled, envisioned, chaotic kind of process. And no level of, of growth, whether we're talking growth avoiding, growth accepting, or growth seeking, is meant as a judgment on your character. It's simply a rubric to figure out where you are so that you can make appropriate changes and have appropriate expectations for how you ought to change. So the first step that we need to do is to identify where you are with honesty and not judgment. You're there for a reason. Even if you are on that growth avoiding level, you are there for a reason. It might be that you have an innate personality attraction to the known and the familiar so you might have more internal resistance to change than a personality type that's innately drawn to novelty and the unknown. Neither is better or worse. It's just a quality about yourself to understand that you have to help you work. You might have beliefs and examples from your culture that tell you staying the same is better or that fitting into this model of, of being is the best way or the safe way or the right way. You might have some long-term pain or woundings that you have not healed. For example, if you grew up in a dysfunctional family that made you inherently untrusting toward other people, because for the most part, you were in relationships with people that you couldn't trust, and you've never done any recovery work on that, it's going to be really hard for you to just magically start trusting other people with an open heart. You have wounding that needs to be attended to. 
if you have a chronic illness or a disability, and, and this includes neurodivergence or mental illness, you might be in a state where you're avoiding change or scared of growth. You might have acute pain or wounding. As an example, if you've recently been divorced, that's a huge life event and a very devastating one. And there's a lot that you have to grieve through and sometimes recover from. I mean, typically, you know, if a if people who thought they were going to spend their life together end things, it's for a reason. And both people are probably going to walk away from that hurt and needing to do some, to spend some time healing. So even if it's just for now, for this, you know, three month period, right after the end of things, you might be in a space where what you need is sameness and stability and not changing. So wherever you are on that scale, you know, whether you're avoiding growth, whether you're okay with it, but not really seeking it, whether you're actively seeking it, there's always going to be some way that you can grow and that you can do so safely. Fear might be telling you it's safer to stay where you are, that change is bad or scary, or will only make things worse or won't get you to where you're trying to go. But just remember, wherever you are, you're there for a reason. And whatever fears you might have or hesitations, maybe, um, you know, they exist for a reason. Also, it's worth pointing out, I think, that you might be in different squares for different parts of your life. We'll take our divorce example. So maybe the members of that couple are both in a growth avoiding state when it comes to romance and love. But maybe they're both in a growth accepting or even growth seeking state when it comes to their careers and their work. So you might also find that for different parts of your life, you are in different squares and that's okay. People don't grow linearly uh, where every single part of ourself is expanding at the same rate at the same time. Okay. So when we're talking about growing from the square that you're on, from the alignment that you currently have, you can basically go one square up or down, although we don't want to be encouraging negative growth. So uh, we'll say one square up, keep it positive, or you can move to the side one square right or left, depending on you know how we orient the, um, the chart. Moving vertically would be staying in the same process mode. So if you're you know in the controlled avoiding, you would stay controlled, but you'd, you'd move up to the next relationship with growth to growth accepting. If you're moving horizontally, you're going to be staying on the same growth level, but, but moving either toward chaos or control. So if you're starting from a controlled place, you would probably move toward envisioned. You're not going to be able to move all the way into chaotic, but that would be adding a bit of chaos, maybe opening a little bit to surprises and improvisation, letting go of some of, of your control and allowing that you don't have to pre-plan everything. If you're chaotic, you would also be moving toward the envisioned space. Uh, you're not going to get all the way to controlled in one step. So that would be adding a little bit of control and specific vision, choosing a, a path and making a plan. In other words, committing to something, even if there's still some looseness to it and some willingness to be surprised or hope even of being surprised. If you're starting from that envisioned space 
and it's not working for you, you might need to move either to controlled or toward chaos. So moving toward controlled would be adding more certainty and stability, really channeling your efforts to a very specific end and committing strongly to that end. If, if you're moving toward the chaotic side, you want to be adding more openness, maybe more play and randomness. It's a surrender to the flow of life that you might be resisting. I recommend trying to move only one square at a time so that it's not too much all at once. Going back to what I was saying about let's make change a safe process or an attainable process. So how do you decide where, which way to go, whether you want to go up or lateral? The first question you want to ask is, what do you need right now? Are you looking for security, for adventure, for play, for comfort? That's probably going to give you a pretty big clue about whether you're in the right mode, but you just need to change your relationship to growth. Or if you're maybe not in the right mode for your natural energy flow, and that would actually be the better place to change first. You can also ask yourself, what is the biggest issue in resisting growth right now? Is it a fear of failure? Is it not knowing what you want? Do you have immediate wounding that you need to heal from? Do you have a fear that life or other people might hurt you? Do you have a fear that you're going to miss out on something or choose wrong? So maybe if you can identify the, the fear that's driving you, you can also decide whether the best path to mitigate that is going to be by moving laterally or vertically. You also need to ask yourself which square that is available to you creates an attainable challenge and which one doesn't. So you might find that one of the squares feels a little bit exciting or at the very least like, well, okay, I could do that. And the other is just like, oh my God, no, that is too much. If that's the case, like that's a clear answer. You have one path you can take. <laughs> the path that you will take is the better path. The other might be an aspirational step that you really want to want to take. But if you don't actually want to take it or you wouldn't actually take it, it doesn't do any good to pretend that you will or that you could. If you actually kind of find that you are okay with either then maybe pick the one that feels a little bit more exciting and a little bit more enlivening for you. Or the one that maybe is going to be easier to implement. Those are, you know, different ways you can kind of look at those, at those variables. Again, identifying where you are and what you need with compassion for yourself, with this acceptance of this is where I am, it creates empowerment. It creates empowerment because it gives you a very clear starting point and a very clear pathway forward. Now you're empowered to choose whether you take that path. You know that you can change. You know what direction you want to change. You have a choice. Once you've identified where you are and where you're trying to go, ask yourself how you can move toward your desired square today. What action, however small, can you take that's going to embody that energy or the mindset of that new square? And then you go and do it. If you did one thing to change today, that's fantastic. I'm proud of you. That was really brave. I mean that sincerely. It was brave 
to make a change, to embrace that step. Change can be hard. Even small changes can be hard. If you accustom yourself to doing that one small thing that you just did today, make it a thing that you do now. Like that's just a thing I do. Keep practicing it. And once it's become part of you, then you pick the next thing and you do that until it's integrated. Rinse and repeat. I don't know how long it's going to take for you to get to that next square because I don't know how far you were from it before you started, but give it time. Give it six weeks. Give it six changes. See what happens. See where you are. What you're really wanting here is for you to experience yourself trying these things, trying on a new way of being, and then surviving that new way of being. That shows yourself that it's safe to do something different, that it's safe to choose a different way from what you've done before. You're safe to choose your own path going forward. So when we're working within our body's window of tolerance for things like risk and stress and fear and change, then we can actually allow progress. It might be a challenge, but it's an attainable challenge. Finally, the other question worth asking while you're doing all this self-examining of where am I, where do I want to go, what can I do to get there, is also to pull back and look at the big picture of your life and see if there are adjustments that you want to make on a macro level that would help you move toward your desired destination. You know, is this maybe looking at a job change, a lifestyle change, a change of location, a change of relationship? Big caveat here, considering making a big change does not in any way obligate you to do it. Thinking and acting are separate stages of the process. Maybe you're actually right where you need to be, but taking kind of an audit of your life at the macro level is not going to hurt you. At worst, it just confirms that you're actually where you need to be and all you have to worry about are the small changes. If there are big changes that you think you might benefit from, ask yourself, are there small scale interim changes I can start doing that would move me toward that big change or that would start paving the path for me to make that big change? So let's just recap this process real quick one last time. First, identify where you are on the growth alignment chart. Second, decide which square, either the next level up or one of the squares to either side of you that you want to move toward. Third, identify small tangible actions that would support that change. Fourth, pick one and start taking that action and then keep taking action. And five, examine the bigger picture of your life and consider if there are high-level changes that you want to make. Remember to observe your current situation and your current way of being with compassion. You've been doing the best you could with what you had, with the situation that you were in and the skills that you had and the perspective that you had. And look, here you are. You're here, you're learning, you're hoping to find a better way. That's fantastic. You're already started. Just keep going. Just keep doing it. So what square are you on right now? And where are you, which one do you want to go to? I'm so curious. Tell me in the comments. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Um, I would say that right now I am in a growth-seeking envisioned state, but I am probably moving a little more toward chaos. I have been on a slow trajectory of moving away from being a little too controlling and a little too uh, focused on specific visions over the course of my life. And so... 
I am actively, <laughs> so I am actively inviting the universe to provide me better plans than the ones I could have made for myself. And that is actually a really fun energy for me to experience. And it's making um, my experience being alive a lot more joyful and playful. And it has taken me a lot of work and moving slowly through a lot of squares to get to this point where I could embrace that kind of energy and feel safe embracing that kind of energy. And I guess that's a, a, a long way of saying you're not looking to move one square and only one square, and that's the only move you can make. It's just you start with moving one square. And then, you know, once you've really assimilated to that place and learned the lessons of being in that that place and having that kind of alignment, then you, you say, okay, where do I want to go from here? Am I ready to go vertical or do I need to go lateral one more time? So... So yeah, you can have a long-term goal maybe of shifting from, you know, one corner of the square to the other, but you need to do it in stages and just be aware that it's going to take quite a few steps to get from one to the next. So that's it for this week. If you want to know more about my work, you can check out my website, thepatternbreaker.com, or you can follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, what part of your story are you going to take responsibility for?